You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Jeremiah to start with. I'm going to get you to mark your place in Jeremiah, and then we're going to go to Romans 11 to start, but I want you to... um, Turn to Romans, or I'm sorry, Jeremiah chapter number 32. And we will end up there, but I want to start with Romans chapter 11. I've been preaching through the book of Romans, and I've really tried to challenge you as God's people to know the book of Romans, to to be very familiar with the book of Romans. I mean, uh, what you need to know about Christ and the Christian life, redemption, is in the book of Romans. Uh, you know, someone has called the book of Romans the Christian's Declaration of Independence. And uh, boy, it's just such a wonderful uh, book of God's Word. And uh, so we've been preaching through that book on Sunday mornings. The thing about preaching through a book of the Bible is that uh, you preach on subjects that sometimes you maybe wouldn't normally preach on or I wouldn't choose to preach on. But since I'm preaching through Romans, it's like, by golly, we're just going to preach uh, whatever comes next. And that's kind of what we're doing here. Romans chapter number 11. I will start reading right there, uh, and I want to read Romans 11, verse number 25, and I want to read through verse 27. Romans 11, verses 25 through 27. The Bible says, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that the blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. I've got, I want to pause right there just for a second where he says, I would not have you to be ignorant. You know that one of the greatest contributors, if not the greatest contributor to education uh, in the history of the world is Bible Christianity and the New Testament. And even going back to the Old Testament and Judaism, um, there's, there, ignorance is not encouraged in the church. Amen. Ignorance is not encouraged in the, ignorance is not encouraged in the Word of God. Uh, you got to be aware of those that try to keep people ignorant so that they can try to dominate them uh, and tell them what I say is right. But God says you can know. God doesn't want us to be ignorant. We each have the anointing and He, he teaches us from the Word of God. So that's just a, a cool principle here just in passing. But notice verse 26. And so all Israel shall be saved. You can mark that verse down. All Israel shall be saved as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. And so let's uh, pause right there and have a word of prayer this morning. And then we'll get into the message. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the wonderful privilege to be able to be here today to share your word. Thank you for the sweet spirit uh, working in our midst today, dear Lord. Thank you for everyone that's come out, each visitor, God, each member. God, I pray that you'll work in each and every heart accordingly. God, I pray that you would Uh, anyone here today that does not know you as Savior, Lord, I pray that before the day is over, they will see their need of you and they will accept you as their Savior. And I pray that you'll speak to each of us uh, of of your children. God, help us to be diligent, dear God, in our walk with you. Help us to learn the lesson, God, that you have for us here in Romans chapter number 11. And we'll thank you for that, Lord, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, So I am preaching today. Romans 11 is... Got a twofold message in it, as we'll see in just a moment. But Romans 11 has a lot to say about the restoration of Israel. 
I just felt heart start thumping right there when I said that. Yes, that's what I was hoping he would preach on today. The restoration of Israel. Uh, See, you maybe think, uh, it's easy for you to think right now, what does Israel have to do with me? Uh, You may be a young person thinking, what does Israel have to do with me? I want to come to church and I want to hear something practical. I want to hear something I can apply to my life. Uh, Well, we ought to be coming to church to hear the Word of God, number one. But I'm glad that in the Word of God, we can find application to our life. And we're going to see that. Why do I need to know about the restoration of Israel? Why would God tell us and teach us about this? Um, and, uh, and, but, but I believe if you will open up your heart and mind today, if you will leave your hearing aid on, amen, and listen uh, to what uh, Romans 11 and Jeremiah 32 have to say, I think you will find some very practical and impactful applications for your life today. And in the way of introduction, I want to give you a couple reasons why the restoration of Israel matters. Number one, it emphasizes the miracle of prophecy. Uh, The fact that this ancient book that I hold in my hand today details, uh, I mean, I'm talking about very intrinsically, it gets down to uh, very specific when it comes to the future. The things that have come to pass in our lifetime, things that are yet to come to pass. We can connect, we can connect the happenings of our world of newspapers, history books, of whatever news feed that you may be getting today. When you go on your news feed, you can connect that which is coming across, folks, to the Word of God. In gross ignorance, there's many people that will say things like the Bible is outdated or irrelevant. The truth, however, is that there's not a more relevant and current book or any kind of information than what's found in the pages of that Bible that you have in your lap today. So when we think about the miracle of prophecy, most people probably never considered the fact that more than one fourth of the Bible is prophetic. It was prophetic at the time that it was written. The Bible is a book of prophecy. It contains about 1,000 prophecies, about 500 of which have already been fulfilled down to the minutest detail. With this kind of proven track record of 100% accuracy, with 500 prophecies, we can confidently believe that the remaining 500 prophecies uh, that are yet to be fulfilled will come to pass at the appointed time. By the way, that's one of the things that sets the Bible apart from any other quote-unquote sacred book is prophecy. It dares to prophesy. You know why the other sacred books don't prophesy? Because they're not truly sacred, amen? They're not inspired. They truly are written by men. This book, God did use men to write and to pen, but the words came from God Himself. This is the very words of Almighty God. The prophecy, the credibility... So when we think about this, prophecy is one of the most credible proofs of the uniqueness and divine inspiration of the Bible. Its importance can hardly be overstated. Fulfilled prophecy validates the Bible and all the precious contents that are within the Bible. I mean, if hundreds of biblical prophecies have been miraculously and meticulously and accurately fulfilled, then it stands to reason that what the Bible has to say about other things, such as the nature and character of God, creation, the nature of man, salvation, the existence of heaven and hell, are all 100% accurate as well. 
It also demonstrates that the Bible's content is not man-made, but rather had its origins outside of our own time-space continuum. A phrase I never thought I'd say while I was preaching. Uh, but listen, the, the, the truth, I mean, it's, it's amazing. We're getting into the time of the year where we celebrate Christmas and the, and the specific and the detailed prophecies concerning Christ, for instance. Uh, but there are still some prophecies that are left open. So one of the things that we can learn practically when we talk about the restoration of Israel is the miracle of prophecy and the reminder of the prophetic nature of this book. What you see going on, as we'll see, uh, in, in, in the world today, we find in God's Word foretold. But not only that, in Romans 11, it helps us with the twofold message. It talks about the restoration of Israel, but also a warning to us Gentiles. A Gentile is seen as one that's not a Jew. And so as I preach through what I preach through today, I want you to listen. I'm going to try to highlight some parallels between the Jews uh, from their call to their fall. And there's some parallels about our call and our potential fall and failure as uh, the church at large, if you will. So there is that. Notice this. The Bible says in Exodus 19, and you don't have to turn there, but I would encourage you to mark this down. Exodus 19, verse 5. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. He was speaking to the nation of Israel. And he says, For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. But if you, one of the things you find out is that the nation of Israel failed to be that treasure. They failed to be the, the, a kingdom of priests. They failed to be a marvelous light to the world. Now, uh, God still, as we're going to see, is going to restore Israel. But now the church of the living God has taken up that in first Peter chapter two, verse nine, now talking to the church, talking to those that are saved by God's grace, the Bible says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, a circled out people, a drawn out people that you should show forth the praises of him that hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so there's a parallel here. He talks about the fall of Israel and the subsequent restoration of Israel. But what he warns is how the Jews failed God, that we can fail God as well. And so it's, it's kind of an admonition there. And I want to say something else about the restoration of Israel. The future of all mankind is intrinsically linked to Israel's future. And then lastly, one thing I want to point out is this. If you still have your Bibles open to Romans 11, Romans 11 verse 29 says, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. When we read the verses we read out of Romans, we read about a covenant. We read about as it is written. And one of the things that we have and you can mark down is our God is a promise keeping God. Our God keeps His covenant. Our God keeps His Word. So these are some of the lessons that we can learn out of this lesson about the restoration of Israel. So if you will, go with me now to the book of Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32. And I want to begin reading in verse number 33. And we want to read what the Lord said about this. Now it's an amazing thing that the time that Jeremiah was written was so long ago, uh, but he prophesied about things that, that happened later and things that we have seen happen uh, in our lifetimes. Jeremiah chapter number 32, I want to begin reading in verse 33, the Bible says, And they have turned unto me the back, 
and not the face. He's talking about the children of Israel. He's talking about them like a child. Have you ever, have you ever tried to address and speak to a child, give a child instruction, and that child gives you their back instead of their face? Instead of looking at you and saying, what would you have me to do? God says the nation of Israel just turned their back and says, I'm not listening to you. They've given me the back and not the face, He says. And then uh, again there, uh, verse 33, And they have turned unto me the back and not the face, though I have taught them rising up early and teaching them, yet they have not hearkened unto me to receive instruction. Verse 34, But they have set their abomination in the house, which is called by my name to defile it. Talking about the temple. And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire unto Moloch, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. And now, therefore, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city, whereof ye say, it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries, whether I have driven them in mine anger and in my fury and in great wrath. And I will bring them again unto this place. And I will cause them to dwell safely. What is this place? This place, this ancient place, is the modern place of Jerusalem and Judah. It's Israel where he's talking about, I will bring them back to this place. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever. For the good of them, of the children... And of their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And I will not turn away from them to, to do them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good. And I will plant them in this land assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul. God says, I want the nation of Israel in Israel. Verse 42, For thus saith the Lord, Like as I have brought all this great evil upon the people, so will I bring upon them the, all the good that I have promised them. And the fields shall be brought into this land, where, whereof ye say it is desolate, Without man or beast, it is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Men shall buy fields for money, and it goes on. And I'll stop right there. But the point is, is these verses are some of the many verses that talk about the restoration of Israel. I want to read to you a verse out of Isaiah chapter 11, verse 11. The Bible says, And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set His hand again the second time to recover the remnant of His people. Now, the second time, the children of Israel, if you study the Old Testament, you'll find out that the children, and you study history, you'll find out that the children of Israel were taken, in, taken into captivity under Nebuchadnezzar back in 586 B.C. They were taken into captivity, and the Bible promised, and God said, for 70 years you will be captives in, in the land of Babylon, which is modern-day uh, Iran, or modern-day Iraq. And then also uh, Iran is Persia, which is the kingdom that kind of sur, uh, surplanted that 
586 BC, but, uh, but it, I'm sorry, in 586 BC is when Zerubbabel led 70,000 Jews back to the land. So they returned once to the land of Israel. That's why by the time you get to the New Testament and the birth of Jesus, the Jews were once again in Jerusalem and they were having their temple worship and they were dwelling in the land. But because once again, Jesus Christ came to them. And listen to me today. This is where I'm saying there's practical applications, even in all this, these dates and history and everything. Jesus came to this nation. He was born just like God said he would be born. The Bible actually prophesied in the book of Daniel that the Lord Jesus would be on the earth at an exact time. They could have literally 500 years before they could have literally marked their calendars to the day that Jesus would come into Jerusalem uh, riding on, on, the, uh, on Palm Sunday. That date was prophesied all the way back in the book of Daniel. The Amen. date. Amen. They were given the date that Jesus would be walking on the earth. The Messiah would be on the earth. But guess what? As a nation, they rejected Him. Thank God many Jewish people believed on Him and still believe on Him today. But as a nation, they rejected Him. They turned their back. They began to persecute Christians. And as a result of that, there was a, a, another diaspora or dispersion of the Jewish people. And they were driven out of, out of the land under Roman rule. And so in AD, between AD 70 and 130, listen, the Roman government, they intensified their persecution and hatred for the Jews. They plowed the city. They made it illegal for Jews to live in Jewish cities. Therefore, they had to leave and they went and were dispersed all over the face of the earth. Do you know that there's people groups that once existed that no longer exist? And it's an absolute miracle that the, that the Jews are not one of those people. And so from 130, 130 A.D., they were dispersed throughout 100 countries in this world. But in, in, in the early 1900s, there were some small groups that began to, to, to filter back in. But in 1948, all of a sudden, uh, this uh, place was declared a nation once again. And this, this is an amazing thing. It, it, it should thrill our hearts as we see the modern day miracle of Israel that has occurred in the regathering of almost half of all the Jews that are alive today have now moved into Jerusalem and to Israel and they are still coming. And they don't even understand why. They're just going. They're just going back to that place. It's not that they like having rockets shot at them from Hamas. It's not that they enjoy all the danger. They are just coming from all over the world. Many of them are secular. Many of them have no idea about these prophecies. But they're coming because God said, I will bring you back into this land. The promises of the regathering and the restoration of Israel, these prophecies are already coming to pass and started coming to pass especially in 1948. Half of the world's surviving Jews returned to the land. And the reason why there's 20%, uh, the 20% of the Bible prophecies I said that were remaining, 20% of those are to the nation of Israel specifically. God promised them that they would have a king on this earth. God promised them that they would inherit this land. And so there's prophecies that are yet unfulfilled that will be fulfilled. 
And so for us to be able to understand the Bible and the plan of God for the future and where His people fit in, we need to see what God is doing with the nation of Israel. Now, uh, with, with, with that being said, I just want to give you a couple, a couple points here that I'd like to apply to us as well. Why did God choose this particular people in this particular land? Well, one thing I'll tell you for sure, He chose the people out of grace. He did not choose them because they were a great people in number or in character. He chose them by grace. You want to know something today? God chooses us by grace. Amen? I mean, listen, it is God's will that all be saved. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So as we look at this, the, it was sovereignly planned and it was sovereignly purposed. There was an important reason that God established His covenants with His chosen people in His chosen land. God chose a particular place, Israel, and a particular people, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for a particular purpose. Listen to the purposes that He chose them and see if it sounds familiar. Number one, to witness to the unity of God in the midst of universal idolatry. All the nations around Israel were worshiping all, all sorts of other false gods and, and many of them. But because of what God did in, in, the, in, the, in the lives of the Jews, it was to demonstrate to the world around them that there was one God. One true God. And he wasn't, a, he wasn't a God that was made of man's hands, but He's the Creator God. He's the big G God. Amen? He's the one that made everything. He's the one that's in control of everything. And so the Jewish people were to witness to this. I want to tell you today that that's our purpose as well today. Amen? We are to be witnesses to this fact. We are to be witnesses of, of the Lord and our God. The Bible says that we should shine as lights. I mean, men, folks, I, I preached about this on Wednesday night, but the Apostle Paul talked about how through his life, Jesus was going to be magnified. Did you know that Jesus wants to be magnified in all of our lives? All of us are supposed to be for, for people that when they look at Jesus Christ, He's way far out there. He's some subject maybe way back in history or way far away. Our lives, like a, teles like a telescope, should magnify Him and bring Him closer. That those around us can see Jesus in our lives. For many people, Jesus is small and insignificant, but our lives ought to be like microscopes, amen, that make something small very big, amen? And I mean, that's what our lives are supposed to do. Magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. Witness to the unity of God. Folks, I mean, it's not about religion is what we're trying to display to people. It's about a relationship. Hey, it's about a changed life. It's about a God that can save sinners, amen? It's about a God that can change and save. It's about a God that can put homes and lives back together. It's about a Lord and a God that has the power to go to the, to the deepest dregs of society and do a miracle and a work of grace in the lives of people. Amen. We represent a God, a God of hope and a God that's able. Hallelujah. We represent a God that we can relate to this world, what he can do for you. So they were to witness of this God among all the false gods of this world. You say, well, we live in a place where people don't really worship uh, God hardly anymore. Well, they still worship a God. Amen. And it's called self. 
And it's called man. I mean, listen, the government in many ways, there are some that are trying to set themselves up as the, as the government being our God, uh, as uh, the communists uh, did. But, but to witness of the unity of God, but not only that, to show the nations the blessedness of serving the true God. They were to demonstrate what it meant to be blessed. Amen. Now, one of the things about those that, uh, that get this doctrine mixed up, because I'm, I'm right now making application between us and the Jews, but understand something, we have not replaced the Jews in God's, uh, in God's prophetic timetable. Amen. That's a very important thing. That's a, that's, a, that's a major false doctrine that has existed for years. That's why there have been some... Nope, not going there. Yeah, yeah, Will. It's an amazing thing. Did you... There, there's many of you that, that, that growing up, if you, did not, if you were not in a Bible preaching church, if you were just in some kind of just religious whatever church, maybe Protestant church or whatever, there's a good chance that, uh, that you didn't hear a whole lot about prophecy. There's a good chance that you didn't hear a lot about Revelation. There's a good chance that you didn't hear much about the coming of the Lord. There's a good chance that around Christmas time they didn't finish the verse. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And he shall be called uh, mighty, counselor, the, 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 the mighty God, the prince of peace. He'll be the king. He'll be the son of God ruling on this earth. Those prophecies, you know why? Because they believed in replacement theology. And they believed in things that just weren't scriptural. And the thing I said that I wasn't going to say, and therefore it led to some that actually took part in the persecution of the Jews. Would you believe, would you believe this? You won't believe it, but you can research it yourself. Would you believe that, uh, that toward the end of Martin Luther's life that he actually wrote that uh, he was so annoyed with the Jews that he said they should be in, in prison and, and forced to go into uh, labor camps? Why? He believed in replacement theology. He just thought they were a bunch of annoying people. Amen. We have now taken that. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Jews, these promises still exist for them. You say, are you bashing Martin Luther? No, I just told you what he said is all. Amen. Uh, I'm not bashing anybody. I'm just telling you that's what he said because of his, he, he was messed up in this part of his theology. But we're to show the blood. So I'm not saying we've replaced Israel, but I'm saying that God, in the sense of the purpose of reaching the world, the Jews as a nation failed in their reaching the world. And so it still falls on us to reach the world, including the Jewish people. So uh, then also to receive this was called the Jewish, the nation of Israel. What was the purpose of them? They received, preserved and transmitted the scriptures. Folks, this Bible came to us from God, but He used Jewish vessels to get us this book right here. Amen. Thank God for the Jew. Amen. Thank God for God working through the Jews to get us this Bible. Now, where I would say that with a good application to that to us is this. Folks, it is up to us to get this Word to a lost and a dying world. It's the Word of God that's going to change people. It's not a catechism, and it's not some fluffy, uh, feel-good philosophy. It's the Bible, amen. It's the Word of God that can change lives, amen, that can transform people. And so it's our job also to get this Word to a lost and a dying world. Amen. listen, and by the way, if you do not have a Bible, please see me. We will get you a Bible. You know why? Because I'll tell you something right now. I, I'm not interested in you believing what I'm up here preaching today because I'm preaching it. Yes. I want you to take the things you hear me preach. I want you to make a note of it. And I want you to go home and say, is that so? 
Is that right? Is he preaching right? I, I mean, I don't want anybody saying, yeah, the preacher said it. It must be so. No, sir. Listen, man, the Bible says, I love what the Bible says about those uh, Berean Christians. How that the Bible says that they were more noble than those of Thessalonica because the Apostle Paul himself would preach to these people and the Apostle Paul praised them because he said, man, it was a blessing because they went home and searched the Scriptures whether those things were so. Can you imagine hearing the Apostle Paul preach and just say, not so sure, Paul. I'm going to go double check this. But Paul said, man, that's a blessing. Amen. That's a blessing. They're, they're noble because of that. And that's exactly what I want for you. Man, get the Bible. Amen. Learn the Bible. Know the Bible. It'll change your life. I thank, I thank God for the day that I was lost in sin, but, but there was hope. I'd heard the message of the gospel. I knew it come from the Word of God. And I thank God for the day that I opened up my Bible. It wasn't my Bible. I didn't have a Bible. But I opened up my, uh, my, my, a friend of mine's dad's Bible to the book of John, the Gospel of John. And I began to read the Gospel of John. And God began to convict my heart. And listen, He, he brought a quickening power of salvation in my life as He revealed to me how I needed Him. And I trusted him why it was through the word of god amen it's the word of god that changes people's lives amen and so uh so, so the purpose of the jews was to witness to show to transmit the scriptures and to be the human channel for the messiah the savior of the world as far as the flesh is concerned jesus came through the nation of israel he was a jew so the way i would apply that is this man it's our job to get jesus to the world amen they need the truth of the word of god they need jesus they don't need religion you meet people oh i've tried religion well you need to try jesus amen i mean you don't need religion you need christ you need a relationship. And so uh, they were. So, they, the, the, why did God choose them? He had a sovereign plan and a sovereign purpose for the nation of Israel. But I want to say this quickly. They were strategically, strategically placed. The land was chosen for a, a very specific reason. It's all about location. While small in size, strategically, the land of Israel sits right in the middle of the great trade routes of the ancient world. Between the great empires of Assyria and Babylonia in the north and Egypt in the south. One of the best descriptions of Israel could be called the land in between. And this is exactly where God wanted His people. Israel forms, a, the, the, the land forms a natural land bridge linking Asia, Africa, and Europe together. You think God cares about the world? He put them centrally located because He wanted the world to be reached. Uh, whoever controlled the land of Israel in the ancient world could exert great influence in the entire world. That is why conquering Israel was and still is a strategic goal of the nation seeking to control the Middle East. However, this parcel of land is not up for grabs. Amen? Hamas will not get this land. I mean, just this past week, they're sending missiles into, this, into the land. I mean, I mean, this is not an anomaly. The, the reason this nation exists, folks, the reason you hear about Israel on the news is God brought them there. Why? Because the times of the Gentiles is wrapping up. Amen. The Lord is coming again soon. I'm telling you, this Bible reads ahead. It reads ahead of tomorrow's headlines. This Bible is relevant. It tells us what's going to happen because we see it happening right before our very eyes. Amen. So, so not only is it strategically uh, placed, it's strategically placed, but it's also, I'm sorry, let me go, go that. it's also safely preserved. God put His chosen people in a precarious place. Right where God wanted them to be for a chosen purpose. Did you know God's got you in a, a particular place? 
God has you in a strategic place. I believe with all of my heart. I, I, I tell people this uh, when, when they uh, become a part of this church or even just begin to uh, work and, and be involved here. You know what I believe? I believe we're here for such a time as this. I don't believe in accidents. I don't believe any of us are here by accident. I believe God's got a plan. I believe He's got a purpose. And I'm telling you, every one of us are strategically placed where we are. Strategically placed. Just like Israel was strategically placed, you're strategically placed. Just like Israel might not, not always like the results of where they've been strategically placed, they've been strategically placed there. Amen. And you have been put placed by with, with a divine strategy in mind to make a difference in somebody else's life. God, just like God placed Israel right there, so every trade route and every everybody would have to pass through there, God placed you on your job, in your neighborhood, in your family, wherever it may be, because there are certain people that are going to cross your path. But I'm telling you, one of the things about this, I talk about them being safely preserved, that's a precarious place. See, God could have taken them out to the most remote desert in the Middle East and created another Garden of Eden for them and they could have just basked in God's glory. God could have taken the nation and said, I'm going to take you way over here where nobody will ever find you and you can just live in peace. Anybody want to just do that? You ever feel like you just want to do that? I don't want trouble. Some of you say, I don't want people. Right? Chad Wendell, he, he wore a shirt and my, and my wife loved it. On, it was a New York fire, uh, fire Department shirt. But on the back of it, it said, stay back. What was it, 100 feet? 200 feet, amen. Um, my wife said, I want a shirt like that, amen. Uh, some of you ever feel like that? Just stay back, 200 feet, amen. Uh, but listen, God could have done that. But he, did, he said, no, no, I'm not going to place you there. It would have been easy. It would have been nice. But God says, no, I'm going to place you right in the heart of the world. Right in the heart of the world because I want you to affect the entire world. God places you where He places you. But I'm telling you, as He safely preserved them, He will safely preserve you. It's hard being in that place sometimes. It's difficult being in that place sometimes. Sometimes the enemy's firing rockets into your life. It's not easy. But the location creates special pressures. And I'm telling you, it's a place where God can prove to you how strong He is and how much He keeps His promises. And, and not only that, but since all communication, trade, and armies in the ancient world had to pass through this land, the message of God's relationship to man uh, through His chosen people would be, the, would be spread to the known world. Every culture would go through Israel and they could pick up the truth and it could be told to others. Even in times of war. I mean, listen, Sennacherib, uh, the Assyrian army, man, this is a, a really cool thing to study in history. Uh, the Assyrian army is one of the most powerful armies in history. Uh, they were masters at the siege. Uh, at the siege. And, and I'm not going to go uh, into it too much, but Sennacherib was the king of this army and he, he besieged the, child, uh, the, the uh, Jerusalem. And he, he mocked God. And he said, who's this God? We're taking down all the other gods. We're going to take down this God too. I mean, but God decimated his army. And Sennacherib went back to Assyria. He went back to Nineveh and he recorded uh, and he chiseled the account of what God did onto stone that testified what God did that day in Israel. Ain't that something? And so it impacts people. And so uh, the point is, God had a plan for them. God has a plan for you and for me. And I'm going to close it with this. The Bible says in Genesis 17, verse 19, I will establish my covenant with them, with him, for an everlasting covenant and his descendants after him. 
God's eternal redemptive plan is clear in the Bible. Man sinned, separating himself from God. All men have sinned. Yet God wants to fellowship with us, so He implemented a plan that involved a man, Abraham, and a land, Israel, to bring about the salvation of the world. However, this plan is not finished and the fulfillment of God's prophetic word is taking place as it, and it relates to Israel and to the Jewish people today. No doubt there was and is a destiny that has shaped the history of the world, all that has gone on with the nation of Israel. I believe God's word teaches that he chose the Jewish people and bequeathed to them an everlasting possession, the land of Canaan, and thank God that it's been recognized by the United States States, the Jerusalem as the capital. I mean, it's a big deal. Uh, I mean, all, and it's all prophetic um, as a living example of what it means to follow one true God and experience His fullness and correction. I'll give you these verses. The Bible says in Acts 15, verses 14 through 18, Simon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take them a people for His name and to and to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, After this I will return and build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof. I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth these things known to God are all His works from the beginning of the world. The bottom line is this. God set the nation of Israel in order to reach the world. His purpose for setting aside this nation was to show the world the one true God. And I'd say this, His purpose again for setting you aside if you are saved is to show that, continue to show that same purpose to everyone else. Let's all stand, uh, please, and we'll be dismissed in just a moment. The restoration of Israel. That was a mouthful. But I want to say this to you today. God's got a purpose for you. The whole purpose of everything he was doing there was to try to introduce the world to himself. So I have to ask you this question today. Do you know him today? Do you know Christ today? If you don't, you can know him today. You can humble yourself before him. You can call upon the name of the Lord. And the Bible says you shall be saved. If you don't know the Lord today, please. He's gone through great lengths. He, went, he came a long way to bring you to himself. All you must simply do is humble yourself right where you are. He's come to you. You just must be willing to open up the, the, the door of your heart and say, Lord, please be my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and life and be my Savior. He'll save you today. How are you doing in regards to being that witness that God wants you to be? Has it gotten tough in your land? Is it getting hard where He has placed you? Remember something, God keeps His promises. He's placed you where He's placed you for a specific reason. He's going to use you. He's going to empower you. It may get hard sometimes. You may wonder how you're going to make it sometimes. But I'm telling you, He's faithful. He keeps His promises. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Hey, young person, God has placed you in that school where you're at. Make a difference. Amen? Mom, Dad, He's placed you in that home. Grandma, Grandpa, wherever you are. You say, well, I'm not really affecting too many lives where I'm at. 
The Bible says one soul's worth the whole world. God's placed you strategically right there to make a difference for Him. If you don't know Him today, I beg you to come and call on His name and be saved. If you do know Him, I pray you'll surrender and say, Lord, help me to be that light. Help me to be that light. Help me not to fail in my mission and my purpose. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much, God, for the promise and the prophecy and all that You've given us there with the nation of Israel and the promises that still exist for us today. God, I pray that You would please, God, help us to be that light. And if there's anybody here today not saved, God, please help them, God. Help them to not leave here today until they know for sure that they know You. Lord, please help them in that, God, I pray today. We love You and we thank You, Lord, in Jesus' name.